So welcome to another episode with Talking with Apples. Today we'll be talking about AWS Amplify. And my guest today is Kilo. You might know him as Kilo on the internet. Um, and yeah, he's a developer advocate at AWS. Uh, welcome, Kilo. Thanks for having me, PJ. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Kilo Loco. Uh, just wanted to come chill with the apples. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, man. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, you're all the way on the other side of the world, um, which is really cool. And it's awesome that we can have this chat today. Yeah, I mean... That's that's the awesome thing about the internet is like, you know, we can make friends on separate sides of the planet. And, you know, me and PJ were having like a little bit of a conversation before this. And, you know, I, I think I think it's really awesome that we can just, you know, be talking to each other right now. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, yeah. So um, let's jump straight into it. I think uh, everybody is I'm probably reading the title and they're looking at AWS Amplify. And for me, AWS Amplify is this product that I've seen before, but maybe a lot of people might not know what it is. So maybe we can just start. Um, we can start this this um, discussion around what is AWS Amplify. Um, what is the Amplify part of AWS? Because they might know what AWS is, but they might not know what Amplify is. Um, so yeah, maybe we can jump into that. Yeah, so uh, AWS Amplify is like a suite of tools that is geared towards like front-end developers, mobile developers, that essentially makes it way easier to work with um, the AWS resources that are already available. So for example, there's things like authentication, you have uh, data storage with, um, uh, with, with, <laughs> you have data storage with data store. <laughs> uh, you have um, file storage with S3. You know, you're able to st store files in S3 buckets and then like authentication with Cognito and things like that. So it's it's really like it's really like the easiest way to kind of use AWS as like a front end or a mobile developer. OK, well, that's really cool, because I think I think. Um, those are pretty much the key things that people want these days in order to start up a, an application really quickly. They want to be able to have some kind of database um, or some kind of API that they can connect to or they can like um, generate quickly. Um, they want to have some kind of authentication for security. Um, and then they want to have like some kind of storage bucket so that I can store media. Um, so that's really, really cool. Um, and so well, why, what makes this really good for mobile developers in particular? Because um, this podcast is obviously focused on mobile development. Um, why, why would this appeal to mobile developers in particular? Well, I want to I want to like start by saying like I want to tell like a little bit of a story right here because um, yeah yeah go the ahead. The first time that I've I worked with uh, I have a background in iOS like I'm primarily iOS but I do like Android and Flutter development too, and I've touched other technologies. But in the past, when when I was and I also make YouTube videos, so that's like I just want to throw that out there because like this story involves a YouTube video. So in the past, I wanted to show how to um, actually use um, AWS for um, notifications, and I think also even for I think I had a, a video on storage, like so working with the S3 bucket, and that was about I don't know I think it was like three years ago, maybe four years ago. And when I was trying to put together those videos and learn how to interact with AWS, because 
I think, I think a lot of people, you know, are really familiar with AWS and its, its capabilities and the resources, knowing that the resources are pretty, pretty top quality. When you're a mobile developer and you try to work with AWS, like back then, it was very hard. The SDKs, because I was primarily focused in Swift, the SDKs for Swift did not feel Swift-like. Um, the documentation was not there. It was really hard to figure out. And then I had to put a tutorial together on it. So that was my experience like a couple of years ago. So anytime that I felt like anytime I was going to be working with AWS as a mobile developer, it was just, it was a lot of work. It was hard and I didn't like it like at all. But then um, just last year uh, of summer last year, AWS had released um, AWS Amplify and Amplify is kind of like just what I said it was, it was like this tool set that makes it really easy to use AWS resources for front end and mobile developers. So I actually got hired by AWS uh, right before launch and I'm actually one of the people that is responsible for making it known that it's really easy to actually use AWS resources. And if you've never used AWS resources, the awesome thing is that you don't really need to know anything about them and you can start using Amplify. And then once you start working with Amplify, you'll start to learn some of those AWS resources as well. So it's like a good, it, it, it's a great tool set for using those resources, but it's also a great tool set for learning them too. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, because I think I think previously um, I had tried AWS um, uh, previously, and I also did find it a little bit like difficult in terms of a mobile, in terms of being a mobile developer. Um, so definitely, um, when I did find Amplify um, eventually um, on the internet, um, it felt like it was a lot easier to actually utilize. Um, this the specific product to actually um, um I guess use the specific resources like um you said like incognito and all of those type of things and um and then obviously the the storage buckets um, and all the databases um but when using when using it um I found that a lot of a lot of the AWS well not not, not let me say AWS um the Amplify um libraries a lot of it was circled around GraphQL um which was very very interesting um and I think that that's something that a lot of people at least that I know of um don't really use except maybe in side projects I don't I've never actually worked with it in a production environment um. What, what, what is, um, why, why GraphQL? Um, and maybe you can also just explain for people that don't know what GraphQL, what it actually is. Um, maybe we can even compare it to RESTful services. Yeah, so um, let's talk about like what is GraphQL first. So GraphQL is, um, I don't wanna like say exactly cause I don't, I don't know the right terminology to use, but like it's one of the, <laughs> yeah. it's one of the ways that you would essentially have an API setup um, that is, uh, it's like an alternative to REST API. So with a REST API, you would say like, I want to get something or I'm going to do a post on this API or you're going to do a put or a delete. GraphQL is an alternative to doing something like that, right? Where um, you're mainly working with three different types of uh, requests where it's like a query, a mutation, or a subscription. I think those are the, the primary three. And 
what you generally do is, and, and the benefit to, to GraphQL is that you, you formulate this GraphQL request, which is like kind of, it looks kind of like JSON, but in that GraphQL request, you're specifying which fields from the object or which fields from the table that you're, that you're actually interested in. So like if you were going to do um, a get request on a user's table with REST, you would get back the whole entire, you know, assuming that the, the API is structured this way, you would get back the entire user object, right? Whereas, um, and, and that's like dictated by the server that interacts with the database, right? But with GraphQL, there's kind of like this, this no need for that middle server there. And it lets you, the front end developer, choose what information you're interested in. So like a user, a user object might have like 50 different properties, but you're only interested in three. Now, if you wanted to do that on a REST API, then the, then the, the server needs to formulate that request to send that response back to you. But on the front end, you can just request those three properties. And then... And then in the future, if you want to have more, then you simply add an additional parameter to that GraphQL request. And just like that, there's no need for a backend change. You just simply say, okay, I want this new field. So it, it kind of looks like JSON if you haven't seen it before, but it it's a little bit different too. Uh, you just kind of have to see it to like get a hang of it. But yeah, and the reason why GraphQL is, is used or referenced so much in Amplify is because data store is actually built on top of AppSync and um, AppSync is kind of the, the GraphQL engine that like sets up the requests. It builds all the, all the different types of GraphQL requests that you can make to your database. And then you can also add more too, but everything is like built on top of AppSync. And um, that's why you're going to see a lot of that referencing to GraphQL and, um, and AppSync because they just work together and that's what data store is using. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, that's pretty cool. Um, and I, and I did notice that there was, um, obviously a point where you could also create a restful API if you did want to. Um, I mean, you're not kind of like limited to, um, using GraphQL. Um, if you really, really wanted to use a restful API, um, you could do that. Um, and what what something that I really really liked um, about Amplify was that you could almost generate um, an API from like the CLI, um, which was pretty cool. Um, maybe you can dive a little bit into like how that actually all works, um, and maybe just give us a a good perspective of how it would make it easier for mobile developers also to be able to generate these backends. And technically then maybe they can become full stack developers um, because now they'll be able to generate a backend and they can do the front end, um, which is really, really cool. Yeah. So that's like, that's kind of like one of the, the biggest goals for Amplify, right? Is like to make, um, you know, front end developers, be able to work with the backend or create their own cloud backend. And that makes them a full stack developer. And, but like also apply that same concept to mobile developers. So then you would have like a mobile full stack developer where you can have your iOS app, your Android app, and you can create the backend. You can have all the graph, like all the, um, 
all the backend set up. You can have a database, you can have file storage, all these things set up. And all of this is built on top of um, Amplify. And the way that Amplify does it is with the Amplify CLI. So there's a command line interface um, program that Amplify has that you run in the terminal that's going to do a lot of this stuff for you. Or um, if, you, if you're not comfortable with the CLI and like saying, oh, I want to add in, you know, I want to add in storage to my to my um, my app, or I want to add in authentication to my app, and you don't feel comfortable um, doing some of that stuff. Like the documentation covers it, and it it gives you like the step by step of what you need to do in order to get started and add these categories. But like for things like um, for data store or for the the APIs, um, if you wanted to, you could actually start building out your model schemas in um, a new feature called admin UI. So once you set up an Amplify project, you can go to the admin UI, which is on the aws.com website, and you go to Amplify, the Amplify area, you'll actually be able to model your data um, right there in like a GUI. So like if you don't feel comfortable putting together GraphQL schemas, um, you can do it all right there. And it's really nice and really easy. And then all you have to do is copy a link at the top, paste it into your terminal, and press enter, and as long as you have the, the Amplify CLI, it'll do a lot of this stuff for you. That's really, really cool. That I didn't even know that. Um, I was just kind of using the CLI because um, I think a lot of the documentation kind of like um, takes you through the CLI, um, which which is really, really nice. Like um, I really enjoyed actually reading through the documentation um, and really liked that there was obviously copy-paste um, within the documentation, yes. so you just press like a copy button. <laughs> it's and such then, a like, weird thing to get excited about, but yes, it's like freaking yeah. awesome to be able to just copy like the snippet that's relevant. Like, I don't know why, but I got super excited yeah. when we added that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think back in the day, you probably would like drag um, your your mouse across the um, some piece of code and maybe not get all the code or. Um, something or maybe there was some like ASCII key um, ASCII stuff that would happen and then it wouldn't paste correctly and then the command wouldn't work so just kind of having that little copy button that pretty much um, like copies it into your clipboard and then you kind of paste it and then everything works I think it's the small things that kind of I guess as developers that we, that we like right yeah I don't want to I don't want to copy and paste like a freaking caveman I mean get out of here <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who does that these days? Who does that? Um, who drags their cursor? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, you you mentioned um, you mentioned something called data store, um, and I think I think data store is one of those things that are um, are quite um, essential to you having. Um, the, I guess that full stack experience where you get to build, you, we were talking about the APIs a little bit in terms of the GraphQL and creating those schemas and all of that, but actually putting the data into an actual database. Um, this, this data store um, database, um, I'm guessing that you're talking about, like maybe can we, we deep dive a little bit into this um, and like, Maybe we can explain about like, is this like a NoSQL database? Is it a relational database? Like, um, how how does it work? Yeah, so I don't know like all of the technical specs on it, but um, from what I do know, data store is like our database category, right? So like, if you want to save data to a database, then you would use data store. I mean, you can definitely do this with um, 
the API categories, whether it's GraphQL or GraphQL or REST. But if uh, for the easiest implementation, I would say go with Data Store. And Data Store, what it does is this is the the category that actually requires no signup on your end um, for Amplify. You can actually start using Data Store for completely free. And when I say completely free, I mean like you don't even have to sign up and have an AWS account to try it out. So what Data Store does is underneath in um, iOS and I'm assuming on Android, what it has is a SQL uh, a SQLite database locally. So you're actually saving all your data locally to the local database, right? And then if you decide to actually deploy your app and have a backend configured with it, then um, it's going to actually sync up uh, using data sync and that, that data is going to be stored in DynamoDB. And what's going to happen is every time that you save an object or you're doing a query or anything like that, you're actually doing that all locally. So it's not like you're constantly pinging the back end to get the information. Um, you don't have to actually wait for the, the request to go through or anything like that. You're just pulling that data locally. So the benefit to that is you get extremely fast queries, extremely fast saves, and all, everything that is beneficial to having like a local database. And then under the hood, what it's doing for you with, uh, with AppSync is it's syncing all those changes and making sure that everything is put into uh, DynamoDB for you. So you could, uh, you can like save something and maybe you're offline, but as soon as you go back online, it's going to pick up there was a change and then send that, that uh, data back up there. So um, that's kind of like a little bit of a sneak peek of like how it works under the hood. Okay, that's pretty cool. It's kind of like an alternative, let's say, in iOS um, to core data. And then for Android, it's like a room database. Um, but it kind of then references something more like how what Realm does, um, where you can kind of have some kind of um, external um, database where it can kind of sync to. So that's, that, that's actually pretty interesting because I think a lot of people probably end up um, always needing internet, let's say, um, when, they, when they're trying to do some kind of queries to a database. Um, and I think obviously having that, let's say, local, local ability to sync with a backend, um, I guess, through AppSync um, is really, really cool also. Yeah, like, um, I don't know, like, there's this, there's this, like, um, you know, there's this idea that that's out there where it's like, you should never be actually displaying data to a user that's directly from, directly from an internet request. Like, it should, it shouldn't be like you're pulling JSON and creating or populating a view directly from that data. Um, the idea is that you actually pull down the data you pull down your JSON or whatever, then you persist it locally into like, you know, a persistence layer where it'd be, you know, uh, core data or room or whatever. And then you pull from that local database and you display the data from there locally. Um, and there's, there's like, there's that, there's that ideology out there. So, and that's like one of the ones that I kind of believe in. It's like, yeah, you, that's going to make for, um, a better user experience. You're going to have better queries. You're also going to have the offline storage um, available to you, which is something that Data Store offers. So, like, whenever you save something, 
and if your internet goes out or like if you're querying something if your internet goes out you're still able to present uh, data to the user um, you know same thing goes for like one of the like any of the big apps out there right you cut off the internet or if you like hit a dead zone while you're scrolling through Twitter you're still able to yeah. kind of work with Twitter in a limited capacity right you're still able to see the tweets that are there um, it doesn't just yeah. immediately just turn into a brick a brick of a phone right yeah so it's like yeah, yeah. these are like uh, really nice features to have just kind of built in for you and they follow that ideology of pulling something pulling data down having it stored locally and then um, displaying and querying against that local data okay and then and then DynamoDB, um and i'm guessing um is that is that a relational or no sql database um how does that work so my understanding is that DynamoDB is a a no sql database um but you're able to work with relational data um i don't know a whole lot about DynamoDB, and like i think that kind of speaks to the point of how awesome Amplify is, is because you don't really need to know all the inner workings or how everything works exactly with the resources that are being used, right? You can have like a general concept, which is like what I have about DynamoDB, you know, um, Cognito, um, S3 buckets, you know. I don't know these things super deep, but yet I'm still able to take advantage of them and use them. So my understanding is that Yes, it is a NoSQL database, but it also allows for relational data. And um, you're able to set up these relationships between models really easily with the, the admin UI. Or if you're comfortable writing GraphQL schemas, you can set up those relationships there. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, because I think, I think if we... If you look at it, it's um, I think people normally have like it's either like some kind of NoSQL database um, or they just have this relation relational database like some kind of SQL server or MySQL or something like that that's running on a, a server somewhere and they probably build some kind of API on top of it. Um, so it's quite cool that you kind of have diversity in um, still kind of having that relate being able to do relational things um but it's still a no sql database um a document database which is really really cool um yeah yeah um and then i wanted to talk about going kind of going back a little bit to um the sdks and the cli so um i remember in the beginning we kind of chatted a little bit um about the cli but what i noticed that that was really really cool about amplify was the fact that there were SDKs um, that pretty much help you um, help you connect your GraphQL um, API um, to your specific app, um, and what I, and what was really cool, especially from an iOS point of view, is that I saw that there um, are combined extensions um, that were that were added onto. Um, onto the Amplify requests for the GraphQL and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool for me because I think obviously combined is something that a lot of iOS developers would love to use right now. Um, and um, obviously just seeing it in, obviously in the documentation and being able to play around with it a little bit was really, really cool also. Yeah. So um, this is one thing that like really surprised me, right? Um, 
we didn't launch uh, AWS Amplify for like native with combined support, but just like a month or two after it was released, um, the engineering team came back and they were like, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to get consensus on whether we should support combine or not. And they ended up like going for it and supporting combine. And now you can like either do the, your, your typical callbacks with um, any of the, any of the libraries and you could just like, you could pass in a result and then switch on the result, or you can have the combined implementation where you're going to be working with, uh, you know, syncs and you could like flat map or map things. And it's like really cool because like the documentation is like showing it has like support for Swift UI. It's showing you how to do stuff in Swift UI and UI kit, right? And then we go and support combine. And it's just like something that I just really wouldn't expect from like a large corporation like AWS to like support the latest and greatest stuff. And just the fact that they that that Amplify supports combine, it allowed me to go deeper and try out combine myself. And now like I, I know like a a lot more about combined just because you know I'm working with Amplify constantly and now I prefer to use Amplify with combine um, because like the the relation or not the the, the reactive uh, framework is just so much nicer to, to work with like once you get the hang of it it's like a steep learning curve but like once you get into learning like reactive like the reactive paradigm um, you know it it's really nice like and, and sometimes, like, I feel like you just don't want to go back to dealing with closures. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I'm just, like, super excited that, that um, you know, you can use Combine with any of the, the libraries that are supported by Amplify. Yeah, I think I think that's really really cool, especially from an iOS perspective. Um, and I think even from an uh, from an Android perspective, like I think the the documentation and the um, the the API and the library is actually really really simple and makes it quite easy for developers to get started really really fast. Um, that's what I found um, personally. Um, it wasn't it wasn't too crazy actually getting started with Amplify. Um, I thought it might be crazy just because of maybe my previous AWS experiences yeah. um, where I was like, I don't, there's so many things here. Like, I don't know what to click, <laughs> um, but like now, now you kind of have this awesome like um, SDK and API that you can kind of just pull in as a pod um, or Swift package manager. I think um, there is support for Swift package manager. Um, oh no, not I yet. I can't remember. I just not pulled yet. It's, it's, on, it's oh, on the okay. roadmap. Um, you know, we get okay. requests about that all, all the time, but like, the cool thing is like the team is like really they keep their their ear to the community they know what the community wants and they're like constantly working on these things so um right now there there is no support for spm but um you know it's on the roadmap it's something that that is gonna be here i believe before the end of the year um so yeah uh, there's that and then if you're coming from like Android background, I think that they have documentation, like I don't do Java, but I think they have like RX Java docs, like right there where it can, it shows you how to work with Amplify and like RX Java or something like that. Um, but yeah, like they, they, they take like the things that are popular and they like try to support them. So like Amplify is like on like all the latest and greatest. So they're, they're doing stuff like with the latest and greatest stuff with like, um, like if you're in the web world, they're doing stuff with like, um, next and nuxt and 
and Tailwind CSS and all these other things. Like you can do all these things with like Vue and so they have the web supported, but they also have like React Native support, Flutter support, and like native mobile development support. So it's like it's really cool to be like seeing this this framework to work with AWS resources just becoming so accessible to anybody that like almost anybody that programs in regardless of the platform that you choose to program on. It's I, I like it a lot. And I think it says a lot about the the engineers that are on the team. Yeah, I think I think I even saw. Um, I can't remember. Um, I'll probably have to just check it out, and maybe I'll even put it in the notes. I think from an Android perspective, I, th- I think there's coroutine support even um, for um, for AWS, and I think that that would spark a lot of um, love from an from the Android community because I think um, people love um, coroutines these days. Um, and it's a really, really great framework. Um, so I think, I think that's also makes it, it makes it a lot easier because it could just fit into, um, people's existing, um, let's say architecture or frameworks that they're already using, um, to, to pretty much, um, do other parts of their application. So if they want to do add amplify as a, um, as just a, a small part, let's say for authentication and maybe for a small, um, on device, um, um, on device database with AppSync or something, um, on the uh, data store, then I think it also just makes it easy for, um, with the SDK to do those type of things too. Yeah, absolutely. Like that was like another thing that, that was like, um, that really like kind of sold me on the whole Amplify idea was that when you're working with it, like when you're working with any of these libraries, um, it feels really natural to work with them. Like it feels like just, like another natively, like it feels like a first party, like like the first party provided it. So for example, if it was like on iOS, it feels like, um, you know, it was something provided by like Apple, like that's how natural it just feels like working with it. And, um, you know, I'm, I haven't done a whole lot of other development like on Android extensively or Flutter extensively, but like, I can say that everything does feel natural whenever I'm in those environments as well. Like with Kotlin, um, it feels natural with uh, Dart. It feels natural, like based off of what I've learned so far. So that was just like one of the things that really stood out to me is that it, it did feel, it felt normal to be using these, these, these libraries. It's not like you had to learn a completely different paradigm or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's really really cool, and I think there, there's there's a whole bunch of other um, products um, within Amplify that kind of like sync together um, with, with this whole thing. And one of the things that I realized that there was um, another product called I think it's called Functions, um, where it's like AWS Lambdas um, that you can kind of also like um, spawn up to to do some kind of like um, like microservice work or something like that. Um, and I realized that it actually all kind of like fits together, um, almost in like a small knitted ecosystem, um, where everything like you have, you have the, um, the authentication and that kind of works really, really well with the database. And then you have, um, you have that also working well with the API. And then you have these functions that are also really, really cool. Um, and I'm guessing these things probably all have like triggers where you could pretty much trigger if like someone's putting something in a database, um, like an image or something like that is going um, from the from the API 
into a database, but then the actual media files going into a storage bucket or something like that, you could trigger some kind of um, function or Lambda to, uh, let's say, create a thumbnail for you to like make a smaller version of that. Um, and yeah, I think I think maybe if we can even deep dive a little bit into the function space and um, the these AWS Lambdas and how they kind of like also just kind of knit the whole ecosystem together. Yeah, so um, I actually don't have like a whole lot of experience with the functions feature because at at the time of this recording, like it's only like um, amp like Amplify only natively supports it uh, for uh, JavaScript, right? So I haven't actually played okay. directly with the functions feature, um, and but what it is is essentially you're writing a lambda. Um, and you can create these triggers that are associated like with any of the resources that you want it to be associated with. Now, since I don't really get to play with that native support, since everything is still just AWS under the hood, it didn't mean that I couldn't use it at all. So what I ended up doing was I figured out, well, if we're still saving data to DynamoDB, and they had just released, um, not not the Amplify team, but like a different team had just released uh, Swift Lambdas. What I found out was like, hey, I could just write a Swift Lambda, have it be triggered based off of the DynamoDB events, um, just naturally. That's something that it's built to do. Connect those things in AWS. And now um, I was actually able to show how to build like push notifications um, with uh, iOS. So the entire the entire idea or, or the stack here is I have AWS Amplify on my phone. I save an object, like a, let's say a message object to a data store, which is going to you know sync to DynamoDB. When DynamoDB gets that create event, my Lambda is then triggered. My, my, my Swift Lambda, which is really cool. I wrote everything in Swift. And then my Swift Lambda pushes out the push notification back to my iOS um, app. So like I have an entire video on that, like um, covering how to do push notifications in iOS. But like it's just really cool because I was able to do everything in Swift end to end. Uh, end, to end. Now um, they're they're planning on you know adding more feature parity across each of these frameworks. JavaScript has been out the longest, so it it has the most features. But um, you know, push notifications is on the roadmap, and it's one of the things. Or push notifications, push notifications, and functions are on the roadmap for these types of things. And um, you know, it there's actually an RFC out there. Um, you know, I'll send you the link for it, where we're trying to get uh, native support for like Swift as well for the Lambda runtime. And um, yeah, essentially, functions allow you to write like a cloud-based function that fires based off of some type of event. In my case, it was a DynamoDB event, a create event. And then it runs some type of additional code in the background so that you're not doing that processing on the client. Um, and there could be multiple reasons why you wanna do that, right? Like you don't wanna do all these different operations on your phone or if you need to do push notifications, you don't wanna send push notifications from a single device out to you know, thousands of users. So yeah, a Lambda is great for those types of things. And um, that's that's pretty much how functions work for Amplify. Okay, that's cool. Um, and that's really, really cool that you could write your, your functions in Swift. Um, 
I didn't know that. I thought it was I thought it was mostly like JavaScript um, or TypeScript um, that you needed to use for for that. So that's really really cool. So I learned something today. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I'll definitely um, look it up afterwards and probably also just put it in the show notes. Um, and definitely that video that you created, I'll definitely also just link that in the show notes so that um, if anybody wants to go and check that out, um, um, creating push notifications end to end in Swift, um, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So thanks for providing that to the um, to the Swift community. Hey, I, I I thought it was I thought it was awesome. You know, you have um, like I said, I'm I'm primarily an iOS developer, so like I have a real affinity towards Swift and the Swift community. So if I can do it in Swift, I want to be able to do it in Swift. Um, you know, if you're a Kotlin person or a, I mean, Java's already supported for fun, for functions, but um, yeah, if you're like a Kotlin person and you want to see Kotlin lambdas, then you know, make sure you 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 send that request uh, through uh, to AWS. You know, through the uh, the GitHub issues and and say like, hey, you want to have um, Kotlin support lambdas and and things like that. And if enough people vote on it that's like the really awesome thing is like if if the community wants it that's uh the amplify team definitely tries to give it to them so yeah it's just it's it's a really nice experience when you're able to work like a full stack in your in your preferred language yeah yeah and actually um talking about um like obviously github um all of these uh, all of the amplify um sdks um are open sourced um I saw. So pretty much if people did want to contribute themselves um, or if they, um, so I'm guessing you guys have um, pull requests that are um, open from community members. Um, but even if there's issues that people are having, I'm guessing that's probably the place to to go to either vote on new features um, or even just request new features, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So like if you wanted to like contribute to amplify that's like one of the really cool things is like you can contribute to the docs you can contribute to the libraries um it's like really up to you like how you want to contribute and you know if there's like not a feature in amplify that you really want and you think that would be really useful like the best way to get that to the team is to create an issue because they're constantly combing through issues they're constantly working based off of the issues that receive the um you know the most amount of like likes or upvotes or whatever and that's kind of how they build their workflows. If the community wants it, then this is what we need to focus on. So that's kind of how um, things are. But if you were like looking for something like more of um, like an area to ask for help or something like that, then the engineering team is also on Discord. Like there's an Amplify Discord where you can literally just ask for help for whatever platform you're on. There's different channels for that. So like, it's, it's really about like opening that line of communication. Like the line of communication is like always open. And it's really, it's really nice to see that just like if a customer needs help, then usually there's like somebody just ready to go to help them. So always feel free to reach out. And if you have a feature request, then hit us up on, on, on uh, the Amplify GitHub and, and submit that issue. Yeah, um, I think I think that's a really really great way um, to communicate. Obviously, with the community, with the people that are actually getting to use your the the product that you're building, um, and I think also to also be able to, like you say, um, communicate freely around feature requests and also see what other people are looking for um, within a product. I think 
um, open so open sourcing these types of SDKs and these types of products um, are becoming more popular um, amongst amongst a lot of companies that that do a bunch of um, products. Um, but I think um, like it's also just a great way for community members to also contribute um, to these things that I guess millions of other people get to use on a daily basis. Um, and even if it is to the documentation, um, it's still a contribution at the end of the day. So that's like really, really awesome. Um, and it's awesome that it's actually open sourced. Um, a lot of people just kind of like have these closed, closed SDKs, they release them, they release artifacts and you kind of just use them and you don't really know how it works under the hood. Um, so it's really, really cool, um, that, um, Amplify is open source at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done a whole lot of open source work, but I know that it, it definitely definitely feels good when you get like a pull request accepted um, into like a bigger project, and, and you know that like people are going to be using it. It's a pretty good feeling. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and yeah, I think I think kind of like what what people are probably also thinking is like this sounds like an amazing product. Um, and it sounds like I could definitely just jump into using Amplify today um, because it seems like um, from what, we, what we're talking about, it seems like it's easy to get started, easy to kind of like um, get things up and running. But I'm sure at the back of the mind of most people are is that like um, we might we might use it to um, to like, let's say I'm a startup and I'm kind of like looking for something to kind of get my product out there quickly. Um but then there must be some kind of like cost to it. Um, at the end of the day, um, like, will it set me back like hundreds of thousands of, of rands or dollars? Um, or will it, um, or how flexible is the, is the, the pricing model around, um, Amplify? Yeah. So, um, I think that this is true with a lot of AWS features in general, but I'll just speak to like, um, you know, I'll try to keep it scoped down to like just the features that are usually being used. Um, so with Amplify, first of all, there is a free tier available. That means that you can be using Amplify um, up to like a certain limit um, for for free for 12 months. So make sure you check in on that free tier and, um, um, you know, you add that to your existing AWS account. Or if you don't have an AWS account, um, a lot of the features do require that you have an AWS account with the exception of data store. And if you're going to just go with data store, then it's only going to be the local data because there's no backend. There's no database that's associated with an account to sync that data. Right? So you can use data store for completely free and that's just going to be a local storage. Um, it's a really nice API. If you want to try it out, um, I think it's pretty simple and straightforward, but um, the majority of, people or companies are going to be needing to have an AWS account, which does require a credit card. Um, so, you know, you will need a, um, a credit card to have just an AWS account in general. It doesn't matter if you're going to sign up for a service or not. And then in regards to how much does each of these services cost? Well, it actually goes down to, um, it comes down to like how much uh, of a given resource that you're going to be using. So, depending on the category, depending on like the resource that you're going to be using, it has its own pricing and you would actually have to find out like how many times you're actually hitting this endpoint or how, how many times are you utilizing this resource against what it, what is actually being charged um, and how much that's going to cost you. But in general, 
it's not going to actually be really expensive. It's probably going to be less than five, 10 for somebody that's just starting out and playing with it. It's going to be essentially free. It might be a couple of cents on your account um, because you need to hit like thousands or millions of requests in order to like really rack some of these numbers up. Um, but for a company that has like, you know, tens of thousands of users, you're probably going to be looking, um, you know, I don't even want to give an estimate because it, it just really depends on how you're utilizing the resource. It just could just go in so many different directions. But overall, the idea is you only pay for what you use. And generally, that's just going to deal with scaling. So like if you have a really large app, it's generally going to be more expensive than um, uh, an app that only has like maybe a hundred or a couple hundred users. So a couple hundred, you're maybe paying a couple of bucks. You have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Maybe you're paying, you know, a couple thousand bucks. Who knows? It just depends on what you're setting up. And But it's it's built to be, like I said, it's built so that you're only paying for what you use. And it really comes down to how many people are using your app at that point. Okay, that's pretty cool. And and is there is there some kind of like um, development environment where um, developers can kind of like like a sandbox, let's say, um, where they can pretty much try this this um, all these services out before they actually push it to production for their specific users? Or is it a situation where you're always kind of working with the live environment? Um, even when you're kind of developing um, your specific product. Yeah, so the awesome thing about Amplify is that it provides you the ability to have separate environments. So you so you could have like a completely separate development environment. You could have a completely separate QA environment. You could have something in between those two environments. And then you could have like a production environment, maybe even two production environments. I don't know. I don't know um, what the use case is. But like, yeah, you can have separate environments be working with like the same setup, same code and, and schemas and all of that. It's just across different environments, just so that you can have somewhere where you're able to have like all the developer dummy data. Then you have all the data that's going to be used by the QA people. And then you have, you know, obviously the stuff that goes out to production. So you can actually have all these separate environments and keep that data separated. And um, it's actually really easy to set up. You just simply do like um, you simply just switch that environment and bam, you're already working with it. You just run the app again and it's you're, you're using a different data set. OK, that's cool. Yeah, because I think I think that that for a lot of people, are um, they might think that like they kind of want to have their, their data separated um, and they kind of want to make sure that they can set up like these these um, multiple environments for um, the way they develop, the way they test um, and using specific data. And then obviously having production where they're not really like messing with what the users are actually um, like the real users are kind of like using at the at the end of the day. Well, you don't um, like to so test your really new really features cool. in prod? Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes. <laughs> Hey, and just push it to then, push think, it to production. Hey, just push it to production on a Friday, and let's just hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess the, I guess the, the the best tester is the real user, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we shouldn't promote we shouldn't promote such bad behavior. Um, but I hope I'm sure everybody knows that we're just kidding around. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think um, this has been really really cool. Um, I think from my perspective is is where, where do you think is the best resources to go to get started? I think a lot of people might um, be interested in starting with Amplify. Um, 
And obviously, there's different, everybody learns differently. Um, they might learn over video, they might learn over um, maybe reading books or even just like reading blog posts or reading the documentation even. Um, um, where, where, where is the best way for people to get started with Amplify? So this is, com- th- what I'm about to say is coming from somebody that primarily learns by um, hearing and seeing. So like, that's partially why I make YouTube videos is because my learning style is like hearing and seeing somebody explain something. And then that's how I learn. That said, I would still recommend that everybody goes to the documentation, um, the Amplify documentation, the docs, because it is actually really well done. Like I am so proud of our team for putting together these docs because it's not super complicated. It doesn't just look like a brick of like paragraphs explaining what you need to do. It's literally like if you go through the getting started um, steps of any of the, the, the categories that you're interested in, it's literally saying, do this, this is what's happening. And then you, you copy and you paste something somewhere and you can get started extremely easily. Like you don't see documentation out there that much. Like there are a couple of companies that do it really well. Um, but like, you don't, you just don't see it like that, like almost anywhere. And I really feel like the best place to get started is the documentation. Like if you, if you go to the Amplify docs and you take a look at it, you'll understand why I say that. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's where I would recommend if you, if you don't think that's going to cut it for you, if you really can't get through the docs for, um, for some reason, um, you can always feel free to reach out to me, right? Like I'm always willing to help, especially anybody that's on the iOS, Android or flutter, um, platforms. Um, if you reach out on anything else than that, I'll definitely try to help you, but more likely I'm going to try to point you to somebody that's going to be able to help you a little bit better. Or you can just go to the, um, the Amplify discord. Like I said, like, you know, you could reach out to the engineers and they'll actually, you know, respond to you. So I'm putting out videos. There's, there's other YouTube videos that you can find online. There's, there's articles, um, on the AWS, um, you know, um, getting started pages and, uh, the blog articles. And there's just like, I mean, if you Google it, you're going to find something, but I would say the number one place to start is the docs. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I'll also just link the docs below um, if anybody um, wants to find it quite easily. And if, they, if they don't want to just Google it, um, I'll just link it in the in the description below, um, in the show notes. And then it'll, I think it'll be quite easy for people to just go and click on there and get started with their respective platforms. Um, even if it's um, they're, they're listening to this and they're like, cool, you're excluding JavaScript for some reason. Um, I know that the, the docs are pretty comprehensive and they kind of show it um, quite neatly. There's like a drop down where you can literally just choose your platform. Yeah, you choose, you um, choose so your platform, really whatever you want. Like I'm only t- I'm not I'm excluding JavaScript from the conversation just because that's like not my background. Yeah. Right. But it it actually there's way more there's way more stuff available through JavaScript. Like it's more battle tested um, in JavaScript just simply because it's been around for like the past three years or so. Um, Whereas like native um, has been around um, for the past year. And um, yeah, like luckily the native platforms were able to build off of what what JavaScript has learned. But yeah, like there's just, um, they're just much further along and there's definitely a whole lot of stuff on JavaScript. So you can definitely find some stuff on that. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Like, I mean, you went through the whole process. I'm, I'm curious to hear like, what, what would you recommend 
somebody um, to get started with for Amplify? Because you went through that process yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, from my perspective, um, I, I, I enjoy the docs. Um, like I mentioned, um, I really like copy pasting, um, especially all the terminal commands and then kind of like going through it. So that was really, really great. Um, I think from a perspective of when you get a little bit more advanced, um, I think like you mentioned there, um, the, the Lambda functions and all of that, um, I do learn a little, little bit better with, um, with videos also, um, because then I can stop, listen, I can see what people are doing. Um, sometimes like, um, I have this thing where I just kind of, I do read the article, but at some point I kind of just go and look at the code to see what's familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, I think when it, when it is obviously visual, um, and a video, then it makes it easier for me. Um, but that's again, also just my learning style, um, but yeah, I think I think when it gets a lot more advanced, um, um, something that I'm trying to figure out, um, I do enjoy videos. But I mean, sometimes there's great blogs out there um, that people write about more advanced topics um, in a lot more detail when someone does write something. Um, so I think I think that's pretty great. But the, for me, the docs were were pretty good um, to get started. Yeah, uh, getting to get started. Everything yeah. Set up. Yeah. yeah. Um, getting started, getting set up and stuff like that. Um, the CLI was great. Um, uh, lots of, lots of code generation with the, um, with the, uh, GraphQL stuff, but it was, everything was, everything went smooth. Um, I didn't actually run into any issues. So it was really, really great. Or, you know what? I'll actually, I'll send you the link for the sandbox because that's actually an even easier path. What it does is it walks you through like, I'm assuming that most people would probably want to try this, try out Amplify with like saving data to a database, right? And like also because it's like completely free, like you don't even need to sign up to try this thing out. And um, I'll send you the link to the sandbox also so that you can go through it because then it lets you build out your, your data schema and you don't even have to go through the CLI as much. And then like what will happen is like you'll build out like whether you want it to be a to-do app or if you want it to be like a notes app or something even more elaborate, you could build all those data schemas out and then it will actually walk you through the steps of setting everything up. But like at the end of the day, you just you copy one command line, you paste it into your terminal and bam, you're pretty much set and ready to go. So it's really cool. So I'll send you that one instead. That's like that's as easy as it gets for me. Okay, awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll link that also, um, so that hopefully everybody else can also try it. Because I think I think the easier the easier um, it is to kind of get started. I think um, that's kind of what um, makes people kind of like I guess stick to to the product. Um, uh, and I think it's a I think it's a really really cool product um, itself. So yeah, um, from my side, um, I think that's pretty much it from me. Um, I don't know if you have anything else um, for our listeners, if there's anything else that you wanted to discuss or, or mention to our listeners about Amplify itself. Um, I think like the only thing, the only closing note that I have to say is just like, you know, um, try it for yourself, form your own own opinions. Um, I think that it's definitely worth your time to at least just try it out. I think that you'll be impressed with it, but like, I want you to form your own opinions and then, uh, if you do choose to try it out, please reach out to me and let me know me or anybody on the Amplify team and just let me let me or us know um, what you think about it and like where are some areas that can be improved because we we're looking to make this thing um, as easy as possible to use. But like also, you know, it's a tool that's great for 
scalability. So like if you're interested in making sure that your app is scalable, it's, it's a pretty good solution. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, thanks so much for hanging out. Um, and yeah, and chatting about Amplify today and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it. Um, I learned one or two cool things today um, that I'll definitely go and try out um, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, um, I appreciate the time and um, I'm sure our listeners do too. Um, yeah. So thanks. Thanks so much. And yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on PJ. I really appreciate it. It was, it was awesome talking to you and thank you everybody for, for anybody that's made it this far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the long form podcast, um, hopefully people do make it to the end. Um, but I think, I think we've said a lot of great things today, so I'm sure people will, but yeah, have a great evening um, or morning actually on your side, evening on my side, um, of the world. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll chat soon. All right. Chat Cheers. soon. Keep coding passionately. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on talking with Apple's podcast. Cheers.